Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Stride and Saunter. My name is Hector Marrero, I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Kip Clark. Today, a special topic, the pale blue dot. This video, which is available on YouTube, takes part of a speech of Carl Sagan. And this was a topic brought by you, Kip. Which yeah, I, I wanted to give a reaction to it because it's one of my all-time favorite pieces of art, frankly. And I know that's a broad claim because it is a YouTube video and it's spliced together by people who took Carl Sagan's speech regarding the journey of the Voyager and one picture it took as it traveled outwards from Earth. It looked back and took a picture of Earth which is referred to in the title, The Pale Blue Dot, obviously, Our Planet. And I thought that it was a very important video for me and something I wanted to share with other people. And our thoughts about it as well, to me, were equally important and I felt should be shared as well. So here we're going to pause and include a little bit of that clip. We welcome you all to watch the full five-minute video, and we're going to include a link to that as well. But we'll join you momentarily after you have hopefully watched it that the Earth was a mere point in a vast, encompassing cosmos. But no one had ever seen it as such. Here was our first chance, and perhaps also our last, for decades to come. So, here they are. A mosaic of squares laid down on top of the planets, and a background smattering of more distant stars. Because of the reflection of sunlight off the spacecraft, the Earth seems to be sitting in a beam of light, as if there was some special significance to this small world. But it's just an accident of geometry and optics. So Hector, after watching this video, what are some of your first thoughts? What are some of your initial reactions and ideas? The biggest thing I get out of this video is the sense of scale. It really is an amazing thing for me to contemplate that that photograph was taken so many thousands of miles away and how small Earth really is in that photograph. And he talks about one of the lines in that video is that there is a, a beam of light that's surrounding the Earth in this photograph. But that's just an accident of geometrics and... Yeah, it's an accident of geometry and optics, I believe. Yeah, an accident of geometry and optics, which I think is just such a beautiful thing because I think in that sentence alone and in that photograph, you get the sense that humans are capable of making smaller things bigger than they are in all sorts of ways. You, you elevate a situation or a moment in your life and make it bigger than it is or tell the story of that one moment. And in this photograph, you see, you know, maybe somebody can look at that photograph without the dialogue and say, look at our earth. It is special. It is in this beam of light. Um, it is unique. There is all this other knowledge that Carl Sagan brings into this uh, photograph I agree. that, you know, elevates, you know, the viewer to right. getting a, a better sense of, you know, the, the fact is we are just this very small part of a very large whole. Right. I think it's really interesting that he talks about how it's sort of accidental, the way the Earth appears suspended in that light and that pale blue dot is shining out for people to see. I wonder if you zoomed out the photograph far enough and showed it to someone who had no idea what they were looking at, if they could pick it out and say, well, what are you looking at? Because there's the possibility that they wouldn't know. And I think that, that says a lot that we're not as prominent on this rock hurtling around the sun as we think we might be. And I think that's a key part of the video. For me, it's humbling in the sense that it unifies people. I agree that it it brings scale into play and it definitely reminds us that we're 
on a level of scale insignificant in comparison to the size of the universe, but I think that there are just lines in there that always resonate with me, talking about the saints and sinners, the kings and tyrants, the you know peasants, the explorers, the scientists, every corrupt leader, every superstar, just the people he mentions are all under the same banner in the sense that they all come from this pale blue dot, this rock. It's just to me a very humbling thing, and I think as time has gone on, people get more and more divided either by nation or you know, sect or belief. And I think it's kind of sad to see that happen. So for me... Or resources. Right, exactly. Yeah, a lot of Mm -hmm. things separate us economically even. There are companies that do better than others. And I think there are hierarchies and other boundaries established that to me are superficial in a sense, but always come back to this sense of separation. And I love that video because it always feels very humbling and humanizing and reassuring. Even if we are insignificant, we're all insignificant together and I don't say that sarcastically I think it's a very comforting idea if you can really get behind it and understand the value of it and I think it's unfortunate I'm sure there are people who would see that video and scoff and say well I'm not insignificant I've done all these things but that's not the point the point is that in the universe there are bigger things than us and the universe itself is a larger entity but yeah what other thoughts come up when you watch Kip, I, I wanted to ask you before we move forward, why is it that you see this video as a piece of art relative to other YouTube videos or relative to other pieces of art? Yeah, that's a good question. Certainly it's art in the sense that it is a speech. I think Carl Sagan, who's someone I deeply respect, so I admittedly have a bias, planned what he was going to say. I don't think it was entirely improvised, and I think it was very articulately said, and I think there similar speeches like the I Have a Dream speech among others that resonate with us because of the powerful ideas that are contained within the words but also and hopefully some of you out there went and watched the video I think it's very important to understanding the reactions that Hector and I are providing the combination of movies some of which I've seen some which I definitely haven't along with the musical score behind it to me just deliver a very powerful I don't know underlining of everything that he's saying I think every image and every piece of music behind what he's saying only emphasizes Carl's points and I think especially I know you're a film major so I have a question about that momentarily because I know you commented while we were watching on some of the films but I think it's interesting that I like that person I talked about who wouldn't have known the photograph I haven't seen some of these films so for me some of the faces and some of the scenery shown in the video to me has a very different meaning because it doesn't have the historical context or the artistic context that a film reviewer might see and for me it's just the film it's just the image of the person or the place that they are occupying in the film so i'm curious what were some of your thoughts regarding the film significance of some of the clips chosen well one of the clips that stood out to me specifically was a shot of 2001 a space odyssey by stanley kubrick and all these videos are i i I thought that the videos were kind of haphazardly put on top of this speech i agree that it is moving in a funny sort of way that i can't really explain what I thought was interesting was when I saw the clip of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which has a shot of Hal and then a, a, yep. a return shot of the actor who's in the astronaut yeah, costume, it, it, it just forced me to think about, well, you know, all these films, every single Hollywood film we've ever watched, you know, nowadays we have Star Trek, we have Star Wars, we have so many films that do take place, you know, in outer space and have these stories that are beyond Earth, the fifth element as well. These films were all made on Earth founded on our thoughts and our culture and the tools that we have and the technology we are capable of using. But here we have these images of all this entertainment that while it reaches out into outer space or to these fantastical elements, 
they are still created here on Earth. And when I watch all these clips from these films on top of this speech, what I think about is this quote, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. Somebody told me that recently, and I've been thinking about it a lot, specifically thinking about how incredible it is that we can send out these small machines, some larger than others, that go out into space and can handle the elements of space, including radiation and deep cold and a lack of gravity, and just function as tools that are still human. They are human tools that go out into space. In conclusion, it's really, it is a humbling experience. I think I would agree with you that it, it really is a humbling experience. And I think it's a beautiful reminder that at this moment, human beings have sent out people onto the moon. We've sent out tools that are man-made out into space. And I think it's worth thinking about these things and not taking them for granted, not thinking, well, humans have sent, you know, man to the moon, but thinking of it as, well, what can we do next? What can we do next as a species, as a group? And, you know, before that, what can we do to repair the relations on this earth in the first place? Right. For me, one of the most interesting parts about it that I really appreciate, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe he ever mentions any specific groups or any specific ideologies. He just refers to the multitude of ideologies and nations and many of their similarities, despite what they might perceive as differences. And I think that's a really humbling idea, too, that we can all find instances of guilt in that video where we've participated in some kind of exclusion or separation from another group because of a perceived difference. I think that that's very interesting. I also think it's interesting that in sending Voyager out, that they chose, the scientists that is, chose to have a picture taken of our planet from a very distant perspective. And I think in a lot of ways that kind of practice can be applied to anyone that, you know, you get outside your head once in a while and look critically at yourself and reflect that gaze to understand what you're doing in a different sense. I think that's why seeing videotapes and pictures of ourselves can often be weird, but I think if you get past that weirdness, can teach you a lot. You see how you're moving. You see effectively what other people might see. And I think that that's a really important aspect that certain technology allows us to reflect upon ourselves in new ways that thousands of years ago weren't possible. And I think that's really interesting and really fascinating that we're able to take a picture of our home, our gigantic globe of a home that we couldn't have seen a hundred years ago, or at least that we didn't. I think it's just really interesting to be able to reflect like that. And I I have to thank astronomers for being able to practice that kind of ideology. I think it's interesting. So, Kip, do you know Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so he met Carl Sagan years ago. There's a whole story about them meeting before Neil deGrasse's college years. One thing that I remember hearing, it might have been in the Cosmos television show or in some speech that Neil deGrasse Tyson did, is that he said that Carl Sagan was the most effective communicator of science in the 20th century. So Kip, I wanted to ask you, you know, we're here in this radio show together. What do you think it means to be a communicator of something, to be a communicator of ideas? Do you have any thoughts about that? I think one of the thoughts that Carl Sagan brings up is that he's not going to be one of those traveling out into space. He is simply laying a foundation on his own. And I think it really shows in this speech, in the gravity of his words, how important it is to keep learning and to think about what those who lived before us have done and the foundations they have left for us. Yeah, well, on the topic of communicators, I think to be a great communicator, you have to understand yourself and your own ideas. And I feel like 
that's maybe a no-brainer to some people, but I know a lot of people, myself included, because I think we all do this, that struggle with understanding themselves because we are all complex and some of our ideas clash with one another and some of our feelings clash with one another. So I think first as a communicator, you have to understand what you're trying to say, what you truly feel, what you truly believe. And I think that a speech like this is only given well when you really believe in what you're saying. I think that's why some of it's so powerful to me because I feel like, and maybe I'm delusional, I feel like I can hear how passionate he is about what he's saying. And it's not in the typical, you know, love letter type passion, but it's still a very impassioned speech in my opinion. Of course, I should say for the knowledge of everyone that I believe this is just a clip of a longer speech and writing. But I think Neil deGrasse Tyson makes a good point that Carl Sagan was a very effective communicator of science. And I think that's particularly important because scientists and teachers often achieve a very high level of understanding in a topic, I think it's dangerous if they get too far along and can't reach back to the rest of us who don't have their expertise but still want to understand some of what they're exploring. And so I think Carl Sagan succeeds in not only being a brilliant person and a very capable astronomer and astrophysicist, but in knowing what language and what terms with which he can convey ideas back to us. And so I think, yeah, being a communicator, it's challenging. And I think it comes with an extensive vocabulary and probably a multitude of experiences that help guide you and help you understand other people. Because I think a big part of it is also knowing your audience. You have to know to whom you're talking and why you're talking to them. And also if they're going to get out of it what you want to get out of it. Because plenty of us have had lectures or speeches given to us where we just feel reluctant and we don't want to listen to what people are saying. So I think it's challenging at times because you're not going to have a captive audience or an audience that wants to hear what you have to say but I also think persistence is key if you have a strong message you got to keep giving it in the hopes that someone's going to hear it and if the message itself is valuable enough people will eventually recognize that but what do you think about being a great communicator I think one of the most important points you brought up was that one of the roles of communicator is that he or she is in this position alone and you bring up a good point when you say that there is a danger of going so deep into your studies that you lose touch with others. And I think that is the most important part is to maintain those relationships and to maintain those connections that you have with others and to bring them along with you and to not leave them behind. Because only through hard work could Carl Sagan have brought this message across and not only brought it across, but had others take this speech that he recorded years ago and put it onto the internet at this moment. Somebody must have said that this is worth putting on a platform for a modern audience for new ears to listen to. This has to be heard. So now this mind can reach others throughout history beyond death. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that a communicator is able to go beyond his or herself to reach others and to spread a message hopefully a positive message to as many people as possible. I agree. I think a very poetic truth is that the Voyager, much like Carl Sagan, is something that has longevity. I think that his message, again, like the spacecraft itself, is strong enough that it can survive a lot of time and a variety of changes in the future. And I think that's why, like you said, some people found it important enough to share with us, and I'm very glad that they did. One last thing that I wanted to bring up about this video, Kip, is that he talks about kings. He talks about people who thought themselves great. He brings up people, you know, who... Were the momentary masters. 
He brings up people who were the momentary masters of a planet, of a society, of a civilization. There have been tons of them. We also spoke about longevity and doing something that's beyond yourself. There's a quote that says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, the next best time is right now. So Kip, if you wouldn't mind, would you speak on doing things to be remembered versus doing things for the benefit of others or for the benefit of posterity, for example, and maybe, you know, what you see on our earth or what you see in our planet right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think tying a lot of things together, some of the most long-lasting and powerful moments or situations that I've witnessed are those that happen accidentally. There's a great Believe Thoreau quote about happiness being a butterfly that if you chase isn't going to react to you, but if you pause when you're looking at other things, it lands on your shoulder. It's sort of a byproduct, and I think that's part of longevity, that you can't have the sole aim of preserving yourself, of maintaining your image and your memory and ideas, but if you have very powerful ideas and you also have the conviction behind them that those things will resonate, that other people will identify that, and they will sustain your memory, because I think a big idea and what he talks about is community, is the fact that we're on this globe, this earth, together, and he says the the pale blue dot underscores a need to treat one another more kindly. And I think longevity is all about our community, us as a whole, sustaining ourselves and remaining in the long term. But those are just some of our thoughts and reactions on this video. It's, as I said, a very important video to me and I suspect many other people. So first off, I would ask if you had reactions, we'd love to hear them. If you watched the video and thought differently, please let us know. But also what you thought about our reaction, if you thought it was thorough enough or interesting, and if there are other similar videos or speeches or pieces of art on which you would like our reactions, we'd love to do that. We really want to change up the format from time to time to give you guys some variety. And Hector, where can they reach us if they have comments? If you'd like to reach us, you can go to our website, strideandsaunter.com. Um, visit our Facebook page, also Stride and Saunter. Our email address is strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And finally, we can be reached on Twitter at strideandsaunter. As always, we thank you for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And my name is Hector Marrero. Make sure to bring an umbrella.